all indications are the Jaguars believe they have it. What is it? I'll tell you what it is in just a second here on Locked On Jaguars. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for joining me, Tony Wiggins, your host for another edition of Locked On Jaguars, where we bring you a daily Jaguars Jaguars podcast because it's your team every day. We thank you for making us your first listener. Quick reminder that we also have a YouTube page that is free for you to subscribe to. It's Locked On Jaguars. That's what it's called. Make sure you subscribe, hit the like button, hit the bell so you get notifications. And leave comments down below and I'll try to answer them as soon as possible. If you listen to audio podcasts, make sure you tap in wherever you get your audio podcasts on whatever platform and see if we're there, which we will be because it's your team every day. Shout out to my everydayers for joining us here on Locked On Jaguars. We really, really appreciate you always being here. You know what time it is. And if you're a new person, you will be an everyday or two if you come back. And see us again. Make sure you check me out on Twitter also at Shop Talking Wig. If you're watching on YouTube, it is right there in on your TV screen, actually. All right, so here's what we're going to talk about. The Jaguars seem to think that they have it. What is it? It Does it mean a Super Bowl team? No, because nobody knows that. You know, nobody knows how the season is going to go, what the ebb and the flow is. Um, you need a lot of luck. You need some uh, good fortune when it comes to guys staying healthy. The ball has to sort of bounce your way, right? What they think, what they appear to think, though, is there's no need to add anyone else. So when I say it, I mean the team is going to allow them to be right back where they were last year and having a shot at winning the ultimate thing, which is the Super Bowl, obviously. But before you can even think about that, you got to be in play. You got to have yourself positioned properly. You know what I'm saying? A good old preacher friend of mine calls it being pregnant with possibility. That means the season is anything's possible, but you got to have something cooking. Because if it ain't, if you ain't got nothing already cooking, then you can't show up on the delivery date thinking that something's going to be there, right? What is it though? It is uh, uh, basically what they had last year, but with a little bit of a different narrative. Like last year, they caught people by surprise. Um, they won a bunch of games late. They 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 just took on sort of the identity of a team that, that kind of had that little it factor to it. The, they took on that team like every week they came out, people seemed to doubt them. And all, all of a sudden, they were able to come up with something that allowed them to win games that some people thought they weren't. And even within those games, shout out to whoever it is walking back in my background, but even if they did win games, one of the things that, um, if you remember, if you recall, and I know everybody does because it was magical, one of those things that you remember is they were playing games that right smack in the middle of those games. We didn't even know they were going to win them or not, right? And down the stretch, they needed every single one of them. Because whether or not they went to the playoffs came down to the very last game that was played uh, at home against the Titans on national TV. So 
they needed all of those games down the stretch. We love to remember that one, and we love to obviously remember the comeback against the Chargers. But if you think back, all of those games that they won down the stretch late, the Dallas game really comes to mind. They needed every single one of them. If they don't win the Dallas game, that last game is irrelevant against the Titans. It just is. So because they end up in a tie with the Titans and you didn't want to end up with in a tie with the Titans. You wanted to beat the Titans. That's why that game, even though they were a game ahead of the Titans last year, if they'd have lost, they wouldn't have went to the playoffs. So are they there? Have they arrived? And should they have taken uh, measures to make sure that they're sure about it? It's a great, great question. How much of it was fool's goals last year? How much of it was, the, you know, the rabbit having the gun and the rabbit had the gun. And what I mean by that is you were the unexpected. Nobody thought you were going to do anything. Anybody watched the wire. Remember on the wire when Omar was terrorizing all of the, the other street guys in, 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 in the show, the fictional show on HBO. And they were wondering who's going to get Omar. Nobody wanted to try Omar because if you tried or missed, he was coming. He was an assassin. He was a terror, right? was a little kid named Kennard that was about 10 years old took Omar out because Omar looked right at him and didn't suspect that he was going to do anything. The Jaguars were a bunch of Omars last year. That's exactly what they were down the stretch because no one believed them. A lot of it was the history of the Jags, but then a lot of it was the record that they saw, the fact that it was a first-year coach and a second-year quarterback. But then some of it was what they hear in the media, right? Nick Saban calls it the rat poison. They heard the rat poison. Teams heard the rat poison. And then the Jaguars sometimes in the first half of those games played like they had ate some rat poison, right? Or had eaten some rat poison. And then just when you didn't expect it, their very best came out. The absolute very best that the Jacksonville Jaguars could be came out in the second half of a lot of those games. And it even showed up when they went to Kansas City because that was a very, very competitive game that could have gone the other way had the Jaguars made some more plays and had some better fortune down the stretch. So the question is, is it okay that they run it back with the same people? Now, I'm not going to sit there and act like they didn't have 13 draft picks, right? They did. I'm not going to say that this team is exactly the same as they were last year because they're not a lot of times when a young team does what the Jacksonville Jaguars did last year, what happens is you get something built into your DNA that makes you think you can do anything. The example I always use is when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, they were an underdog to, to the Rams, the greatest show on turf. And it appears that that game was uh, for a couple of years. It's like, well, Cinderella won. That was the beginning of a, of, of a six-championship dynasty. What no Cinderella. Even if it was Cinderella the first time, by the time they won the second one, it wasn't Cinderella because they had won the first one. And it put something in the, in the proverbial pot of gumbo that made it taste delicious for the next six years, next six titles. So my point is, is sometimes when a team has good fortune, and in this case, it won't, it's not a Super Bowl or it's not a championship, but what it is is, it's the fact that they proved to themselves and to everyone else that they could do things that people didn't expect. Now they walk around like they know that they can pull certain things off. But if they're going to do what we really want, and that is beat the absolute best 
And trust me, some other teams, Baltimore's coming back. They're not going to be as, you know, the way they were last year. Uh, they could have beat Cincinnati in the playoffs last year but without Lamar Jackson. Now they're coming back with Lamar, Odell Beckham, and some reinforcements at some other positions, including a new offensive coordinator. Buffalo's coming back. They had some injuries down the stretch. They're going to try to regroup and try to give it another run. Uh, Cleveland isn't going anywhere, and you know the Chiefs are still there, but Miami's going to be healthier this year, and they have a very explosive offense. The Jets have Aaron Rodgers. It's going to get hard. It's going to be different. Sean Payton is now in Denver. All of this stuff means things are going to get tough, and the Houston Texans, say what you want, they got a little mojo about them now because of their offseason, and even though they're young, they actually beat the Jaguars last year in one game, and I can't forget about the Colts. I'm going to forget about the Titans for right now because I absolutely think they're horrible. But even then, they, they almost beat Jacksonville and kept Jacksonville out of the playoffs last year. So we can remember the close victories, but we have to also remember those close losses. And who are they really? They won't have that mojo that doesn't carry over from year to year. Are they really good enough? All right? What positions need help? And why does it seem like the Jaguars are – Betting on themselves, no pun intended. My bad, Calvin Ridley. I'm, I don't mean to say they're betting on themselves like that, but you know what I mean. I'm not, I don't mean literally, I mean figuratively. It means the front office is betting on themselves. I'll tell you why that's not necessarily such a bad thing. It's not really, but the key to all of this is they got to be right because if they aren't right, it's going to bite them, man, and it's going to come back. And it's going to hurt a lot of people's feelings. It's going to bite these Jaguars. And folks are going to really start to question whether or not they have the right people in the front office. If this thing doesn't go uh, correctly, if it sort of falls off the rails a little bit, if they're not as good as people thought they should be based on what they were last year, should we even be, should we even be having that conversation? I'll tell you all about that here in segment two in just a second on Locked on Jaguars after I let you know about today's sponsor who is FanDuel. That's right. FanDuel is the absolute truth, man. And baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's right. If you lose, you can earn the right to get up to $1,000 on a no-sweat first bet bet that's if you don't win at fanduel.com forward slash locked on make sure you do that go to fanduel.com forward slash locked on all caps to join today baseball isn't my real sport that i like and watch all the time but i do find it very entertaining and i pay attention to those pictures and you should do the same same thing so don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com forward slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, man. So y'all are like the official partners of the Locked On Jaguars podcast because you join me every single day because it's your team every day. And we thank you for making us your first listen. Um, The questions that I was asking before. Uh, we started segment two was what is it? I think I told y'all what I believe my definition of it is being in position to do the same thing you did last year or better, not worse. Um, hedging, hedging their bets and betting on themselves, why it's a good thing 
and why it could be troublesome. It's easy for us to sit here, whether you're in a barbershop, whether you're at work around a water cooler, or whether you're sitting here doing a podcast, it's real easy to sit here and say, it's a good thing they're hedging on their bets, but it'll be a bad thing if it doesn't work. Like, no, okay, Sherlock, tell us something we don't know, right? But honestly, that's just the way it goes. It comes with the territory. That's a part of the job. That's why I want them to do a little bit more, maybe not go all the way out, but just do a little bit more. Just hedge your bets just a little bit. Give yourself a little bit of a safety net. What I mean by that is this. Edge rusher, uh, the ability to rush the passer was uh, priority number one, according to Doug Peterson. I think he said it at the combine or said it before the draft or he, at some point he said it. It may have been even before preseason, right? And I don't think it was smoke and mirrors. I really don't. They haven't added any pass rushers, at least not guys that are pass rush specialists and guys that, you know, get after the quarterback first and ask questions later. A guy like Yannick Ngakwe or a guy like Jadavian Clowney or Frank Clark is off the board because he signed with somebody. No, they didn't add anybody like that. And there were people out there. They, you know, there's there's still some some guys. Houston, there's, there's some guys out there right now, some older players. They didn't make any moves for any of these trades. It doesn't sound like there's anything brewing on the, the Neil Hunter uh, front when people are saying that he might be on the board. So how do you improve your pass rush? And how do you take care and make priority the thing that you believe is something that you need to improve most by not adding players? Well, it means that the players they already have have to play better. And the guys that they have in development have to be better. And maybe the way that they line guys up and getting guys in the right position has to be better. But one thing they didn't do is they didn't go out here in the draft. They sort of did in the draft, but we're talking about day two prospects, late day two prospects with Yashir Abdullah and, and, and people like that. That's fine. All of that's great. But I think you can do that and still go add a vet. Doesn't mean it's too late to do it because they can. And in segment three, I'm going to tell you what the holdup probably is if they're waiting to see what happens. But they do have guys in development. They have Dixon in development, 47. They also have... Uh, Jordan Smith, uh, number 92, he, he's in development. Guys are, they're sitting here wondering if these guys are going to come around. And they probably took a look-see at them in, in training camp, in a mini camp and OTAs just to get an idea and figure out what they have and what they don't have. And they have time to figure out before training camp what they're going to do. There's something that involves another player that we're going to talk about in segment three, which means why they might be waiting. So there's absolutely no rush to do it, but you don't want to be left behind because you don't know if other teams are going to start making moves on people. And maybe they have it set up so they reached out to some folks and, and, and they said, look, if somebody calls you, give us a call or whatever. And they're waiting on an agent to call them and say, hey, man, we, you know, they, they called us and they want to make an offer. And that, that way the Jaguars won't be bargaining or, or not necessarily bargaining, but they won't be negotiating against themselves. They also needed a slot corner really, really bad, right, according to everyone. And unless he's on the roster, they didn't add that either. You would have never you, you would have never got me to believe that. And I'm not talking about anything on day three, but you would have never. And because if they hit on anything on day three or late on day two, then those things are bonuses, and they're big bonuses. But you would have never told me that this, this offseason, that the Jaguars would not prioritize. And I'm not talking about just adding people because I know they got Josh Wells and they got a couple of other guys that they picked up 
you would have never been able to tell me that interior offensive line was not going to be a priority. That tackle, even though they did sign someone, but they signed they they drafted Anton Harrison in the first round, and they made that a major priority. But everybody and their brother thought that they were all set at tackle by letting Jawan Taylor go. But you'd have never been able to tell me. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have believed it one day, no, no days out of the week. Even if I gave you an extra month, if we had a 13th month, I wouldn't have believed it then either that the Jaguars would not address the slot, which is why everybody had Brian Branch going to Jacksonville in the first round, except me. I said, I don't like him there. I don't want him at that spot. Um, but you would have never been able to tell me that that the slot or the edge would not have been addressed in either free agency or in the first three or four rounds of the draft. And I say three or four because I know I know about Yashi Abdullah and I'm excited about him, but we're going we're going to hold back a little bit. But you'd have never told me that the Jaguars would have done that because going into the offseason, everyone with Doug Peterson saying that the pass rush needed to be improved and with everybody anticipating that they were going to take a corner or a slot corner or an outside corner, make them play the slot now until a couple of you know years down the road. And then if they wanted to move on from Darius Williams, they would already have another outside corner to go opposite of Tyson Campbell. There's an old song that says you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. Well, the Jaguars are holding. They are checking. They are not folding their hand at all. They don't. They don't want anything out of the kitty or nothing like that. They're like, nope. Is is it scared money? Scared money not making any money? Are these guys afraid that if they use a resource on something that isn't significantly better than what they already have, will that backfire on them? Well, they got some stuff coming up now. They're going to have to redo Trevor, uh, his contract, even though, you know, there's a way that they can stretch that thing out for, uh, well, two years with the fifth-year option, three years by franchise tagging him after the fifth. But we ain't going to play hardball. We know The Jaguars know what they have to do. I wouldn't be surprised that at the end of this season they start working on it, and then by the time training camp comes next year, the kid has an extension, right? Um, waited a long time to get a good quarterback, so you know they're, they're not going to screw around with this. The other thing is they have Tyson Campbell has to be taken care of. Uh, Walker Little. I'm all, I'm talking about all within the next calendar, you know, the next 12 years. If they're going to get in early and do it early to save them some money, or they could wait. And if you wait too long, you got a whole bunch of dudes whose contracts run out after the fourth season. I just mentioned two of them. Then you got to throw Andre Cisco in there too. What about him? What about Calvin Ridley? Right. What about anybody who was picked in the same draft with Trevor that's that's out there playing right now? There's a lot of folks. There's a lot of these contracts. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins, a lot of those contracts. Uh, Jamal Agnew, a lot of those contracts, those guys, it's going to end all at the same time. So maybe they're keeping room. Maybe they're keeping room and saying, it's not worth it. Let's just go with the guys that we have. Or maybe, just maybe, maybe, just maybe, as we get ready to head into segment three, they're right. And they're evaluating their team and say, we're good enough to go do what we got to do right now. If that's what they're saying, boy, I hope they're right. I really, really hope they're right. And I hope that they're not just sitting here making one little, not making a move that will really, really help them. I'll tell you all about that in just a second here on Locked on Jaguars in segment three. All right, check it out. 
we've talked about the Jaguars having faith in themselves and their draft picks. We've talked about what positions needed help that they did not fortify. Is it faith or is it fear? And if it's, if it's faith, but they still are willing to do something else, what are they waiting on? Maybe they're waiting to free up some money because they have some money tied up on the franchise tag of Evan Ingram. Because that's going to come up to be another thing where they're going to have to answer some questions to. If they franchise Evan Ingram this year and he has a so-so year, and then if they offer him a long-term deal, but he doesn't play, if he gambles on himself, and I mean that figuratively, not literally, and he doesn't play well, then the Jaguars will look smart and say, hey, we didn't give him a long-term deal. We didn't want to give him more money. Yeah, but as it's all hindsight is always 2020. If they franchise tagged him, they offered him a long-term deal. And if he didn't take it, and then one of those other guys, like if let's just say a developmental tight end or Mr. Estes, who we uh we looked at, or Brendan Strange, who they drafted in the second round, if all of a sudden those dudes step up to the point where, ah, okay. So come next offseason, we just let Evan Ingram walk. It's going to look like the Jaguars are ingenious when really the genius that helped them was Evan Ingram, who bet on himself in a year where they added Calvin Ridley. They add another running back. What's going to happen is it's inevitable that his numbers go down. His numbers can go down if the team has even more success and they advance further. Because like I've been saying this all along, if you win, you'll look good winning with less numbers than you do with a bunch of numbers and a bunch of losses, right? Remember I said that about Aiden Hutchinson and I said that about Trayvon last year. I said, folks will look past the sacks a little bit if one of those guys is leading their team to the playoffs. Whereas if those guys has a bunch of sacks and plays for a team that leaves that doesn't make the playoffs yeah they'll give him all of his accolades but then people will go that's all right but they didn't win so it always works out like that way i think evan ingram is probably overplaying the stroke a little bit and i mean stroke on the golf course so y'all get your head out of the gutter but i think he i think he pulled the wrong club out of the bag because i don't think he's gonna get too much more money than he now i could be wrong because the jaguars gave him a one-year deal for like 10 million dollars last year and he he had been labeled as a as as a guy who uh underachieved in new york a lot of giants fans told me that when the jaguars signed him i had a bunch of giant fans giants fans hit me up and laugh like i can't believe y'all did that yo so when he played well those people were like well damn evan why didn't you do that here right the thing is is if he does sign, it's going to free up a little bit, be able to stretch his stuff out enough for the Jaguars to have enough salary cap space to now go out and maybe have enough money to entice one of these veteran uh, edge rushers. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yannick Ngakwe is the main one I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning. I don't think Yannick wants a ton of money. I just do think he's tired of moving around. So he wants a decent amount of money or an okay amount of money to stay in one place. That's what I believe. I think it'll be a perfect signing. He's a good teammate. He always has been a good locker room guy other than going off here about maybe not playing when he was supposed to be playing. But 
I think he's a, a good teammate and he'd be a great addition. It depends what he wants, though. Are they going to go out here and give a guy five or six million dollars a year over, say, the next three or four years? Like you give a you give a dude and say, okay, we're going to sign you up to a a three year deal, uh, a three year deal where you got fourteen million dollars guaranteed with the chance to earn up to twenty one million dollars because Yannick's made. A lot of money he's made like forty-four million dollars over like the last well four years in the league or three years. He's made forty-four million dollars yeah in the last three years. So the thing is, is at this point, do you go ahead and get the fourteen guaranteed, or can the Jaguars do that over like a three-year a three-year period, like a three-year twenty or three-year twenty-one million dollar deal with fourteen guaranteed? Is that enough? Can you do that after Evan Ingram signs his contract and you stretch his you stretch his signing bonus and you stretch all of those things out? And if he never does, then maybe they'll never do it. That's what I mean by whether the bang is worth the buck. Like you can't go out here and overspend on someone, especially if they might be behind the scenes working on a contract extension to Josh Allen, who you, you guys see on my thumbnail. And, I, and the only reason I had yet to mention them because I don't want this to come off as Wig doesn't think Josh Allen is – as good as everybody else. Although that might be true, I do still think he's a really, really good player. And I think if Trayvon steps up and he plays like a guy who you all expected to be the number one pick, then I think having Josh Allen as is is a very good player. The question is, does Josh Allen believe as is that uh, he deserves to be a number two? Or does he still envision himself as being a number one? Those are questions that you have to ask. Is he using this as a prove-it year? And what does it mean when this year doesn't look like any of the last three, but it looks a lot like the first year when he was a rookie? The Jaguars appear to be betting on themselves. They appear to be saying to, to everybody involved, we drafted them, we're developing them, we know where they are, watch what happens. And that's exactly what everybody's going to do. They're going to watch. And if they fall short, in getting after the quarterback, and if somebody who they could have had ends up somewhere, whether it's Zadarius Smith, I don't care who it is. If it's a guy that anybody ever mentioned that was on the radar for the Jacksonville Jaguars and it didn't cost you very much to go get him, it would have been real easy for you to go out and get him and sign him, then people are going to look up and they're going to say, okay, Trent, what about this? This is what they're going to do. This is what happens. And guess who's going to lead the pack? I am. I'm going to carry a flag and it'll be like, look, like I said, it's easy for us to sit here and second guess everything. But guess what? It's not easy. It's not hard for us to do. It's not hard for us to come see you when whatever you said you were going to do didn't work. That's our job. Because folks will want answers. I don't sit there and argue about every single thing they do. I take their word for it. Here's some things that they need to figure out. Walker Little better be good this year, and he better be on the field because if he ain't on that field, guess what people are going to say? You let Jawan Taylor go because of that? Cam Robinson either better not get suspended or when he does get suspended, he better come back right. Ben Barch better be as good as some of some people I know. My Shout out to my colleague, uh, Jordan DeLugo. He thinks he's better than – and we'll have that argument all day. I think he's okay. I don't think the Jaguars need okay at that spot, especially because they're not great at the other spots. They're solid. 
at most of them. So it's just a waiting game. We got to wait and see. And personally, I'm waiting to be proven wrong. I'm waiting for all of this stuff that I sit here and bring up every single day that might be negative. I'm waiting for all of that stuff to go away and disappear. I want to be, I want them to be right. And I necessarily want myself to be wrong because all I'm doing is just, uh, you know, showing you everything, but I want them to be right because if they're right and the team is successful, then you're happy as fans. And if you're happy as fans, then I'm happy too. I'll be even happy if you join me every single day here on Lockdown Jaguars because it's your team every day. We thank you for making us your first listen. Make sure you check out Locked On NFL. The Wednesday edition, I'm on it with James Rapine, and we are going in about uh, talking about Dalvin Cook and DeAndre Hopkins possibly joining forces. So make sure you tap in on that, even if it's not on Wednesday, every single day on Locked On NFL. Make sure it's another podcast that you listen to and you make it your second listen. All right. So I'll check you guys out for the rest of the week. More content, more off-season content coming. We're going to keep breaking it down uh, organically. I wish I could sit here and tell you exactly what it was going to be about tomorrow. It's probably going to be about the offensive line. It's probably going to be about walk a little. It's probably going to be about is it enough. And matter of fact, it is. I'm going to tell you right now, is this enough to be protecting Trevor Lawrence? And I'm not talking about over the entire 17-game season. I'm talking about when they play those good teams, the teams that they have to get past in order to make Doug Peterson the first coach to win two different Super Bowls while being the head coach of two different organizations. We'll talk to you about more of that tomorrow. Until then, you guys take care of each other, and we'll see you here on Locked on Jaguars.